0: 10. Now, let's kick off your financial
1: future. Here's Josh Jelinski. We're back. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. And we have a special open line edition of the show where we get to ask, where you get to ask me any question you have, whether it's on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever questions you have, No question is a dumb one, except the one that you do not ask. Could index funds be worse than Marxism? Very interesting article by the wealthadvisor.com website, which basically says as more and more people go to passive managed investment options, which sounds great because... They generally have lower fees, and there's a lot going on here. Actively managed investment options have uh, soured of late, as passive funds have done. But actually, it's interesting. Uh, last year was sort of the return of active fund managers, Kathy Wood, and some of the, you know, the the new media darling, the I don't know what they're dubbing her, the female Warren Buffett, uh, but she's a master of all things, exponential technology and the like. And some, some very interesting things. And then actively managed options could make up their for their higher fees with higher returns. And some do some of the time. Yet scores of industry and academic studies stretching over decades show that trying to beat the market tends to result in lower returns than just buying the market. Only a quarter of actively managed mutual funds exceeded the returns of their passively managed cousins in the decade leading up to 2019, according to research by Morningstar. Although, if you look at those numbers for 2020, the active ones, I believe, did better. But that joke about meditation applies to money management, too. Just don't do something. Don't just do something. Sit there. Compelled by the math, millions of investors have decided to do less to make more. And so many people now, passive is bigger than active. While that shift is redounded to the benefit of uh, the lower cost providers of the world, it is also redounded to the benefit of retail investors. So Morningstar advocates alone that investors save six billion dollars in fees by switching to passive ETFs and passive funds. This is on net. Positive for society, Jonathan Brogard of University of Utah said. So basically, because of this move from active to passive, and mind you, I'm a believer in buying passive indexes, but having them actively watched and managed. That way you're not paying extra fees for the internal funds, but you are paying for professionals to look at them to see about asset allocation, risk tolerance, what is the white right w- withdrawal strategy, all that sort of stuff. So investor Michael Berry of Big Short Fame has called index funds a bubble. And a co-head of Goldman Sachs' investment management division has warned about froth, too. Shortly before his death in 2019, Bogle himself warned that index funds dominance might not serve the national interest. Hmm. One primary concern comes from an analyst or analysts at Bernstein. And they were the ones who said it was worse than Marxism. A supposedly capitalist economy, where only where the only investment is passive, is worse than either a centrally planned economy or an economy with an active market-led capital management. The point of their research, if rendered a touch inscrutable with references to Hayek and the Gosnab, is about market signals and capital allocation. What does that mean? Active managers directly invest dollars to companies on the basis of those companies' research and development prospects, human capital, regulatory outlook, and so on. They take new information and price it into a company's stock when buying and selling shares, meaning they're buying a company based on what they perceive as a value. It's like what you do when you go to the grocery store. You want to buy things when they're on sale. If company A's stock price tanks when it announces a major scandal, that's because active investors are selling. If company B's shares soar when it announces it's entering a new market, that's because active investors are buying. Passive investors, by contrast, ignore annual reports and market rumors. You, you might be saying for yourself, "Well, why is why does the market keep going up?" And I'm and I see all these problems in the economy. Well, that's because of this phenomenon of people flocking to indexes. So they're just buying everything. They do nothing with trading floor gossip. They make no attempt to research what to invest and what to skip. They're just buying everything. They're not making a claim whether one company is better than the other. Now, that over the last so many years when this wasn't the dominant trend was a, was a pretty good strategy to do. But how might it look different in the next ten years, well, I think we saw that with 2020 when active investing sort of came back, with a vengeance. As due to COVID uh, 19, active money managers, active money managers in 2020 were buying companies that were sold off just because all the indexes were selling off. People said, "Well, how could the market go down in a month, 40 percent?" Well, that's because everybody was selling their index funds. It was the one thing that kind of spooked people. So they were getting out of their index funds, and usually they didn't. Usually they stay put. Passive investors, by contrast, ignore annual reports and market rumors. They do nothing. They just mirror the market. Big U.S. stock index funds buy big U.S. stocks just because they're big U.S. stocks. The commitment to inertia worries the Bernstein analysts who point out that in a world with exclusively passive investors, Capital will get allocated only to the big companies, so the rich getting richer, and not necessarily to good, promising, or efficient companies. Like in a capitalist society, the big, stodgy companies have to innovate, or else they die. Think of, um, and you know, we may own some of these for ourselves and investors, but so uh, don't buy or sell anything over the air. But you think about, you know, IBM giving way to Microsoft, giving way to Apple. You know innovative companies sort of have to innovate or else they sort of become stodgy. The world, the Bernstein analyst sphere has not arrived at least not yet. Passive management is a giant phenomenon, not an all encompassing one. Hundreds of actively managed mutual funds are still out there as are legions of day traders, hedge funds and private offices buying and selling, buying and selling stock prices still move around sometimes dramatically. Still, Passive investing may well be degrading the informational content of the markets, messing up price signals and making business decisions harder as a result. Brogard of the University of Utah and Matthew Ringenberg of Utah, U and David Sovich of the University of Kentucky have shown as much in a recent paper. They start with a look at a somewhat different kind of index fund, a commodity futures index fund, which tracks the expected price of things such as gold and copper rather than the current price of Raytheon and Apple shares, like an S&P index fund. Companies large and small base billions of dollars in expenditures on commodity futures. A firm might hold off on buying copper or rush a purchase of gold based on where it expects prices to go. we'll talk about that first. But the Bernstein analysts, to go back to them, they're worried that a gravitational, big getting bigger effect would dominate stock price movements, at least in a Soviet-type style centrally planned economy, apparatchiks would be making some attempt to allocate resources efficiently. So if you think about it, what we have is almost worse in the, opinion of the Bernstein analysts, and I'm not making an opinion here, I'm just saying it's an interesting article. Even with a Soviet style centrally planned economy, the apparatchiks would say, well, let's allocate resources here. It's better than allocating them here. Whereas with this passive phenomenon, we're all just buying everything. And then people wonder, well, why are the rich getting richer? Well, because. Index funds are just buying up shares of Zuckerberg. And now even Tesla's in the indexes and all that stuff. So nothing wrong with that. It's just interesting phenomenon to discuss. So if you have questions on that, give us a call. 800-321-0710 if you have a question for me. If you also want your index funds or mutual funds reviewed by a competent fiduciary firm, give us a call. Eight at, eight, nine at eight, josh we will review your holdings on a perspective of taxes, fees, risk. And one thing to be sure, although we believe in low-cost indexes and ETFs diversified, we look at them. We don't just blindly put you in them because that was the thing to do 10 years ago. So we want to look at, okay, maybe we decrease exposure to this or increase exposure to this. Or maybe we would set up an income plan. Or maybe we might look at Roths or uh, planning with the new tax rate. The richest New Yorkers could be hit with a top tax rate of over 50%. This is crazy. New York high earners face tax hikes under under proposed budget deal. So basically... Um this is an interesting phenomenon. Democrats now represent sixty-five percent of taxpayers with a household income of five hundred thousand or more. That's interesting. Um I, I guess you know they're voting against their interest here. Or were they just voting against in the last election Trump? I don't know. So um you know, maybe, we would, maybe if you're a Democrat, you can call and ask about that. Not to get the political, but it's interesting. A lot of people often know, well, well, why do people vote in tax hikes when it's against their interest? So that's interesting. So, folks, give us a call, 800-321-0710. If you want to ask me any financial question, this is an open line edition of the broadcast. We'll be back after these messages.
0: It's always on your mind. Retirement, whether you're 55 or 35. Not everyone wants to work forever, and most would like a comfortable retirement. You may already have a plan, but is it the right one? Josh Jelinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio Program, is ready to guide you towards financial freedom. He challenges the ways your parents and grandparents saved money with fresh strategies, which are exactly what you need to navigate today's volatile economic climate. Josh's new book, Retirement Reality Check, is available to order on Amazon. It's an easy read that guides you through his system for securing your financial freedom, including tax-saving strategies, understanding the right investment mix, and more. Order now retirement reality check call josh at 888-988-josh let josh help you map out your retirement using fresh strategies call 888-988-5674 that's 888-988-5674 hey meet you out on the first tee yeah i'll be right there just reading this article on what new bill congress passed looks like it's going to affect the value of all retirement savings plans my financial guy didn't tell me about this when i saw him the other day well my guy did and we made a plan you may have heard of him josh jalinski josh jalinski is your guy listen if you're 10 years or less from retirement which i am josh will give you a free economic plan which includes retirement planning a 27-point checklist to make sure your income lasts as long as you live he'll even help you navigate the current tax code i'm definitely going to call josh cool but first can we play some golf Call Josh Jelinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio program, for your free economic plan. 888-988-JOSH. 888-988-JOSH.
1: 888-988-JOSH. Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback here. In these uncertain financial times, it is imperative that you guard your financial future. If you call within the next three minutes, we will offer our complimentary bear market survival guide, which will detail steps to help your plan to potentially survive the COVID-19 crisis. The bear market survival guide will cover how you might still be able to retire amid a volatile economic climate. We will throw in our complimentary 27-point ultimate game plan for retirement. Call us at... At 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674 for your bear market survival guide.
0: Call Josh Jalinski, host of the popular financial quarterback radio program, 888-988-JOSH,
2: 888-988-JOSH.
1: I love this song. This is a good one, Noah. So folks, give us a call, 800-321-0710 if you have a question on stocks, bonds, annuities, life insurance, mutual funds, ETFs, whatever question you have. No question is a dumb one except the one that you do not ask, and we will give away Tom Hegna's book free, Don't Worry, Retire Happy, as a free gift to those of you who schedule and keep your no-obligation review at 888-988-JOSH for the 45-minute wealth blueprint strategy session so interesting article and here's another funny article kind of i always tell you what's out there the debate over the traditional 60 40 portfolio seems endless is the 60 40 dead but for pensions at least it's over and they say bonds won talk a little bit about that uh, next because you know usually uh, we think bonds underperform but what is it what does the article say and and what does it really say we'll talk about that later now so we have these Bernstein analysts worrying that index-linked investing is increasing risk and increasing correlation and that's where the prices of stocks, bonds, and other assets move up or down together. Like in the past, bonds would hedge stocks. Not so anymore. Economist Jeffrey Wurgler has written the price fluctuations of a newly indexed stock magically and quickly change. A firm's shares begin to move more closely with its 499 new neighbors, and less closely with the rest of the market. It's as if it has joined a new school of fish. A far bigger concern is the rise of, and the rise of indexers might be making American firms less competitive through common in ownership in which mega asset managers control large stakes in multiple competitors in the same industry. Look up who the largest shareholders are of American, Delta, JetBlue, Southwest, United. And then, hmm, maybe there's a reason this industry gets a bailout, because the index funds behind it, for instance, as well as big chunks of Bank of America, Citi, JP Morgan Chase, and Wells Fargo. So you're having a lot of these big companies more worried about divestiture of the indexes and environmental and social government governance and i'm all for an environment but you know what's going on here name an industry with a significant number of publicly traded firms auto retail fast food agribusiness telecom and the same is likely to be true just google largest shareholder of american largest shareholder of delta the rise of common ownership might be perverting corporate behavior in weird ways academics argue Think about the incentives like this. Let's imagine that you are a major shareholder in a public widget company. We'd expect you to desire, insist even, that the company fight for market share and profits. But now imagine that you are a major shareholder in all the important widget companies. You would no longer really care which one succeeded, particularly not if one company doing better meant another company doing worse. You just care about the widget sector's corporate profits which would go up if the widget companies quit competing with one another and started raising prices to pad their bottom line. Where is where, what's the regulation in that? The research on whether common ownership is in fact reducing competition is murky and sometimes contradictory. The article from the Wealth Advisor writes, Still, one major paper showed that a common ownership of airline stocks had the effect of raising ticket prices three to seven percent. Meaning, think about this. If you have an index fund and you own American JetBlue United, you saw this with a lot of them, right? They weren't when things were fat and happy for the airline companies, they kept jacking rates, making seats smaller, really didn't help the average consumer. And then the minute COVID hit, they wanted a corporate bailout by the government. They didn't save those dollars when times were fat. So you have this very odd corporate capital phenomenon. So very interesting. I'd love to hear your take on that. 800-321-0710. The article is, could index funds be worse than Marxism? And the the article implies maybe. Now, a separate study showed that consumers are paying higher prices for medicines because generic drug makers have less incentive to compete with the companies making name brand drugs. So unless a generic drug company enters the S&P 500, the biggest shareholders of drug companies are generally the index funds. You know, Vanguard, Fidelity, iShares, State Street, those are probably the four biggest. Yet another study showed that common ownership is leading retail banks to charge higher prices. And then maybe they put forth regulations that only they can deal with. You know, I've thought about that. You know, there there was this big debate with people saying, oh, repeal section whatever, 230 on these social media companies. Do we really want more regulations so that Now, essentially, I mean, you already have four of the top 10 social media companies all controlled by one company. And you want more? Because if you have more regulation, the little people will be snuffed out. So, you know, people have to think through the consequences of what they're saying. We don't see that. So everybody says, oh, let's get rid of the tech companies. Let's crush the monopoly. Well, that would not be then adding another regulatory burden that only they could afford. It would be by maybe antitrust laws or something like that. So another study showing, that's pretty interesting, common ownership led to higher charges. So, so these studies, if you want to look them up, pretty interesting. According to Jose Azar of the University of Navarra, the ISEE Business School, Sahil Reina, Alberta School of Business, and Martin Schmals of University of Oxford have a a paper called Ultimate Ownership and Bank Competition. So it's very interesting. It's not uh, what you would think, right? Asset managers have pushed back hard, describing this research as baseless and incoherent. The economics literature purporting to link index funds and higher prices is based on fragile evidence and fundamental misconceptions, one BlackRock white paper argued. It does not provide a plausible causal explanation of how common ownership can lead to higher prices. Nobody is arguing that asset managers are facilitating corporate collusion or encouraging managers and rival firms to stop competing. New research suggests that common ownership could alter corporate executives' financial incentives without communication between shareholders and firms, coordination between firms, knowledge of shareholders' incentives, or market-specific interventions by top managers. Across firms, executive compensation seems to be more linked closely to a company's performance when its shareholders are not invested in the company's rivals, the study found. In other words, firms stop paying managers for performance when owned by the same people who own their rivals, so they don't maybe do anything. Maybe that's what allowed T-Mobile to compete with Verizon and AT&T in some, you know, mythic, mystical way. So very interesting here. Uh, there's other questions, too. The voting. So the share of the vote, so the big three companies, the indexes that control majority of these, Cast roughly 25% of all votes in S&P 500 companies. John Coates, the Harvard professor noted, for the most valuable public company in the world, three individuals can in principle swing the vote of 17% of its shares. Another worry is that these firms are too passive rather than too powerful. They are committed to being lean and as hands-off as possible in order to reduce fees. They don't tend to get involved in shareholder actions or small board corporate management, perhaps in part because any one company doing well against its peers is not of interest to the indexers who want more assets under management and higher corporate profits. It's not easy being big. Just last month, Senator Elizabeth Warren grilled Secretary, Treasury Te- Secretary Janet Yellen on whether companies with $9 trillion in assets are too big to fail. The FTC is contemplating whether the big index on families pose antitrust concerns. Government watchdogs have raised alarm bells about the revolving door as the Biden administration continues to draw officials from the big three. In an interview with the Wall Street Journal, the chief executive officer of State Street said he thought it was almost inevitable when you see this kind of concentration that it probably makes sense to do something about it. So even the CEO of one of the firms. So very interesting. Uh, State Street owns like the spiders and, and all that. Uh, the SPY ETF. So this is quite fascinating. A handful of giant players dominating the market all because of the average investor moved closer to lower fees and indexing. Very interesting article. We have some calls uh, and we will be taking them after the next break, 800-321-0710. And folks, if you want the no obligation 45-minute strategy session, call me now, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH. We'll be back after these messages.
0: It's always on your mind. Retirement, whether you're 55 or 35, Not everyone wants to work forever, and most would like a comfortable retirement. You may already have a plan, but is it the right one? Josh Jelinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio Program, is ready to guide you towards financial freedom. He challenges the ways your parents and grandparents saved money with fresh strategies, which are exactly what you need to navigate today's volatile economic climate. Josh's new book, Retirement Reality Check, is available to order on Amazon. It's an easy read that guides you through his system for securing your financial freedom, including tax saving strategies, understanding the right investment mix, and more. Order now. Retirement Reality Check. Call Josh at 888-988-JOSH. Let Josh help you map out your retirement using fresh strategies. Call 888-988-5674. That's 888-988-5674. Hey, meet you out on the first tee? Yeah, I'll be right there, just reading this article. On what? New bill Congress passed. Looks like it's going to affect the value of all retirement savings plans. My financial guy didn't tell me about this when I saw him the other day. Well, my guy did, and we made a plan. You may have heard of him, Josh Zielinski. Josh Zielinski is your guy? Listen, if you're 10 years or less from retirement, which I am, Josh will give you a free economic plan, which includes retirement planning, a 27-point checklist to make sure your income lasts as long as you live. He'll even help you navigate the current tax code. I'm definitely going to call Josh. Cool, but first, can we play some golf? Call Josh Zielinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio program, for your free economic plan. 888-988-JOSH. 888-988-JOSH.
1: We're back. This is Josh Jolinsky, the financial quarterback, coming to you live. Go ahead, Eddie. You're on with Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback.
3: Good morning, Josh. I have a question. I get a small Social Security income each month. My company closed down for almost a year because of the COVID. So the question I have is that uh, I work part-time there, but I have, very little income coming in I want to invest in the in this uh, uh, cryptocurrency it's the effort I can't uh, pronounce that name. but the last time you said don't invest in it but since then it went up almost $900 within two weeks my question is if I do invest a little that I have left um, will that affect my uh, I want to go for food stamps I don't know if you can answer this food stamps and for Medicaid if I have uh, that kind of investment, not a big amount, would that affect my Medicaid and food stamps?
1: Well, if you sell it, and what's the... You don't even know what the crypto is
3: that you're trying to buy. I, I wow. just can't pronounce it. It's the I think the last time you, you corrected that name from Ephraim. Ethereum. Ethereum. Ethereum, exactly. It was about 17 It's almost like $900 since it went up. I don't Wonderful. know why it's going up.
1: Yeah, well... I mean, it it seems a bit financially irresponsible to invest in something you don't know that much about. So I would research it. Um, I, I'm not saying crypto will not go anywhere. I I think it's part of the future. But and Bitcoin is the is the sort of the flagship crypto. Ethereum is the number two crypto. So if you go by market capitalization, right, the highest market cap is Bitcoin at 1.1 trillion, followed by 338 billion for Ethereum, followed by 95 billion for uh, Binance, and then uh, Ripple, Tether. Uh, Ripple came under fire from the SEC. Then Dogecoin, which is a complete joke, is the number seventh biggest crypto, followed by Cardano. So here's the thing. I do not, I'm not an advocate of, personally, if you're going to do this, I, I I would buy the one that's the, the big knowledge one, um, Bitcoin, because that's the one with the more definitive network, the decentralization Ah, uh, the fact that there's only twenty one million and there's a very limited supply, uh, which is why it's sort of going up uh, for, you know, there's about a supply of eighteen point seven million That means of all the Bitcoin that can be reached, there's only eighteen point seven million of all the ethereum that can be mined right now, there's only there's one hundred and fifteen million but I have no problem if you want to take some but realize you know you might lose lose everything if things go down it's a very volatile asset so what, i hope what's that helps causing you. It
3: to go up what'd you say what's causing these coins to go up like in the last two weeks there must be something with the market or the interest rates there must be something that you well, know the, the people...
1: appeal of bitcoin in particular and i'm not recommending you buy or sell anything but The the idea is that it's like a libertarian currency, right? So with the dollar, the Fed can just print more money, theoretically. They don't, but they issue treasuries and things like that. And we've we've not gone to helicopter money yet. But people are worried that the dollar will become worth less over time. So they want to put their dollars in something that they believe in has a limited circulating supply Does that make sense
3: yes it makes a lot of sense to me if if if
1: you want to get in the whole thing you know i I would just buy satoshis which are small denominations of bitcoin personally because you you know it's the you know it's the network like if bitcoin fails the whole thing's gonna fail if bitcoin rises whole thing's gonna rise but uh Ethereum's the second mover, so it's cheaper, so you might want to buy the thing that's cheaper. Uh Mark Cuban likes Bitcoin, but you know, I, I would get a full on financial review rather than or you know, rather than just trying to gamble in things you don't know anything about. Okay?
3: Well that affect my uh like Medicaid or you don't know what a Medicaid or, uh, or Well if or you things? sell
1: if you hold it forever. I mean, the idea of, I mean, getting into these, you're supposed to hold them for a long time because they're volatile. If you're buying them to speculate, capital gains taxes would apply and you could lose money, right? Uh, Due to the crypto market going down. Also, There are uh, it's it's highly unregulated in certain aspects, although it's becoming more so there's more regulatory input now, uh, but there's not as much clarity on it. Um, But, yeah, capital gains taxes could cause you to lose benefits, but not if you just hold it. You know, if you buy a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, you just hold it forever as a hedge. You only would lose benefits in the year you sell it. Does that make sense?
3: makes sense yes so but but the question is would that affect like would they look at it and say well you do have money so why not that much money well
1: it could it depends on how much you're in you know
3: yeah
1: i I don't know what the income limitations are
3: right yes i understand i know with
1: medicaid i think you can only have like two grand to your name yeah something like that so um you could theoretically just keep it like if you bought a stock right and you just kept it forever and never sold it. It's the same thing. Bitcoin has, or Ethereum has capital gains. Does that make sense? Okay.
3: Yeah, what's well, Okay, good
1: question. Thank you for, for calling and listening to the Financial Quarterback Radio broadcast. Next up, Paul.
4: Hey, Who's good morning, it? Josh. Thank you for taking my call.
1: Good morning. Uh, I'd like to ask you a
4: question, please. Um, based on uh, all the, the money that they are printing, and just it seems like you should put your money in green ink or something, but everything seems to be in a bubble. And I know inflation has got to be inevitable, and I just see a financial tsunami coming, and I have no clue. How, it's like a, almost like a puzzle I can't figure out. It's like everything is going up, and something's got to collapse. It, it has to collapse. How do you protect yourself from this?
1: Well, the everything bubble that we are in or real estate, stocks, crypto. Well, how do you protect yourself? Number one, you look at having a diversified financial portfolio, different asset classes that could potentially correlate negatively one to the other. That's what sort of the one of the problems is now. In a downturn, correlation of everything seems to be one. So, you know, you, you could buy treasuries, which would hedge against a deflationary spiral, you could keep a modicum of cash, what we call a volatility buffer. So that if you need money, you tap the cash, which would be a year to two years in the bank. So you look at, you could look at treasuries, you could look at cash, you could look at fixed annuities or income annuities to provide some type of income where uh, your principal is protected by the claims paying ability of the underlying insurance company. So if there's a market downturn, you tap from the annuity and not from the stocks. Um, I, you know, I do think that everybody's been worried about a crash though. I I think like every other year significantly for the last 10 years, and we've not had the big one yet. So you got, you got to be careful that don't let fear drive the train. I mean, I remember years ago, you know, somebody said, oh, if, if my predictions are wrong, I'll be a, a cab driver. Well, you know, <laughs> they're, they're they're not a cab driver.
4: but yeah, Because they kept printing money. They, they, every time they, they get yes, in the trouble, they just keep bailing out. every time there's a
1: downturn, they, they just print money. Eventually, that will go wrong, right? Right, it has to but we don't know when. I mean, it is going wrong in some regard in that our dollars are becoming worth less. We talk about income inequality and all these things. Right. You know, a barrel, uh, how much does bread cost today? Think about that. How much does organic bread cost? You know, back in the day, you'd go to your baker, you'd you'd buy a loaf, right? And it was as organic as you'd get, right? Go now, it's $5.19 at Target. Three dollars and ninety-eight cents, probably the cheapest you'd find at Walmart. Three dollars and ninety-eight cents, and most of you, if you go, it's like six, seven bucks for a thing of organic bread. Now, now, non-organic bread, I mean, but that's a lot of money if you think about it, right?
4: So, is, is your solution just like to go into treasuries as the safest thing, and uh,
1: overall, I mean, you know, next my the next solution is to have a plan. True. You know, have True. a plan and a volatility buffer. And actually, in my book, The Retirement Reality Check, which you can buy my book by going to retirementrealitycheck.com, we go over what to do. Okay. And I think the 60-40 portfolio, the, the idea was that you'd have so much in stocks, right, and so much in bonds. And when you'd have a downturn, the bonds would go up and the stocks would go down. Well, that is different. So you need a retirement reality check review. Call me for the 45-minute strategy session today and you'll get a comprehensive guide called the Key Plays for 2021 Guide. And it's a bonus when you schedule and keep your no-obligation review. Um, so, and uh, I can hold you on if you want to talk more about this. You know, what do you do if you're worried about a crash? A lot of people are worried about a crash. You could talk about that up next. This is... Josh Jelinski, well I would say, don't worry, be happy. Get the book, Don't Worry, Retire Happy, which is our free book when you schedule and keep your no obligation review, 888 josh We'll be back after these messages. Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback here. In these uncertain financial times, it is imperative that you guard your financial future. If you call within the next three minutes, we will offer our complimentary bear market survival guide, which will detail steps to help your plan to potentially survive the COVID-19 crisis. The bear market survival guide will cover how you might still be able to retire amid a volatile economic climate. We will throw in our complimentary 27-point ultimate game plan for retirement. Call us at 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674 for your bear market survival
0: Call Josh Jalinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio program, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH. It's always on your mind. Retirement, whether you're 55 or 35, not everyone wants to work forever, and most would like a comfortable retirement. You may already have a plan, but is it the right one? Josh Jelinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback radio program, is ready to guide you towards financial freedom. He challenges the ways your parents and grandparents saved money with fresh strategies, which are exactly what you need to navigate today's volatile economic climate. Josh's new book, Retirement Reality Check, is available to order on Amazon. It's an easy read that guides you through his system for securing your financial freedom, including tax-saving strategies, understanding the right investment mix, and more. Order now retirement reality check call josh at 888-988-josh let josh help you map out your retirement using fresh strategies call 888-988-5674 that's 888-988-5674
1: are you worried about the recent coronavirus crisis and how it may have affected your money hi everybody i'm josh jalinski the financial quarterback inviting you to join me for my complimentary six ways to keep calm during turbulent markets webinar if you schedule and keep your no-obligation webinar today at 888-988-JOSH. It's a great thing to do if you're stuck at home under stay-at-home orders. Call us right now, 888-988-JOSH. If you're bored, there's never been a better time to get a second opinion on your wealth than right now. 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. And go to my website, retirementrealitycheck.com today and take your free investment profile quiz. And when you buy my book, you're eligible for three free gifts.
0: 888-988-JOSH. Call Josh Jelinsky, host of the popular financial quarterback radio program, 888-988-JOSH. Okay,
1: do we have the other guy still on about Paul? John, we, we take care of the... People call 800 if you have a financial question for us. 800 if you have a financial question. Next up, John, go ahead. Good You're morning. Here. Josh Jilinski, Good morning financial quarterback. Good morning.
2: Good morning. I read Edelman's book, Always Keep a Long, Big Mortgage. Listen to Dave Ramsey. Pay it off as soon as you could. I'm trying to work the middle. It's 65 years old. I have a half a million in IRAs and a hundred in a non IRA. So my mortgage is gonna be till I'm eighty seven years old. I owe three hundred thousand. It's not a psychological thing, but doesn't it make sense for you to take out fifty thousand dollars a year and in six years I'm done with my mortgage moving forward instead of taking an IRA when I'm seventy two, my my uh require minimum distributions at seventy two, take out twenty five thousand a year after taxes, that twenty thousand is gonna just pay off my mortgage. That's what that mortgage is gonna do every year. It's like isn't it better to pay it off at at seventy or seventy one and deplete some of my IRA than, than just take that money out the rest of my life and it's doing the same thing. It's paying the mortgage off.
3: Sure. What do you well, think
2: about that?
1: Well, I, I would be an advocate of carrying a big mortgage generally. I, I don't see the need to put your money. Because think about this. This is why I would. How much would it be to pay off the mortgage today, cash? How much? Hello?
2: 303. 303,000. 303,
1: okay. Now, by the way, Professor Kotlikoff is now a big advocate of paying off your mortgage. So he would, he would favor Ramsey's argument with the math. But I'll explain why people who believe in mortgages do. It's a very personal decision, right? If you and your spouse, if you're married, feel better about having a paid-off mortgage, by all the means, paid off. There's an emotional component, right? But to me, there's also an investing component where if you have 303 and you have a 30-year fixed mortgage, Yes. Yeah, I mean, I generally like a thirty-year fixed because I don't like interest rates risk potentially going up. You're right. But if you have three hundred three and you can pay it off cash, how old are you now? Sixty-five. The idea behind people who believe you shouldn't pay it off is how much you have in total assets.
2: Uh, almost six hundred thousand.
1: Not counting real estate, so six hundred grand in the market.
2: Right. Yeah, five in the IRA and a hundred thousand in the non IRA mutual okay, fund. So the
1: idea there is, okay, with assuming let's say a seven percent return that you might get over, you know, a ten year period on the S P, mm-hmm. that six hundred could grow to one point two million in ten years. Okay? Mm-hmm. So in ten years you could take out your three oh three, pay off pay it off with the 1.2, right? But then there's taxes. So you got to, you, you know, to take the three or three out, then you got to pay 100, 100 grand in taxes if it's from an IRA. So there, there could be a blended strategy if you want, by the way, that I could help put together for you, where we've helped people blend it, where you defer the money, let's say from 65 to 72, and then you prepay the mortgage over, uh, let's say from 72 to 77, kind of like what you're doing. But the, the idea behind advocates of a big long mortgage or whatever you might say is the time value of money that the 3% you might get off of having a mortgage even with tax deductions might go down to let's say 2% or 2.2 mm-hmm. net effective cost. Right. And if you can invest that makes seven, seven's better than 2.2. Right. Now, if you wanted to just have all the money in cash then it would make sense but like let's say you're so conservative you're like Josh I don't want to put the money in the market and I'll never put the money in well then by all means pay off the mortgage because you don't really you're not going to invest it anyway but if you aren't going to invest it you'll you'll generally have a better hedge against inflation and investments does that make sense it does make sense yeah so give us a call 888-988 Josh And we have a mortgage choice calculator. It doesn't matter my opinion or anybody else's opinion. Are you married? Yes. The only opinion that matters is your wife's, (laughs) you know, and and God's and your family. But the, the, the point is, like, you don't, there's an emotional side. And you could come and call us. And we have a mortgage choice calculator where you can run through the different scenarios you're talking about. And you could see, you know, how much would you save in interest? How much would you save in taxes by keeping the mortgage? Uh, how much would you have freed up to invest if you paid off the mortgage? Or how much could you have compounding? The, 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 but the rule behind people who advocate a long mortgage, is a bigger mortgage, is generally if you have larger money compounding over a longer period of time, you make more money. Does that make sense? Yes. So you could have, let's say, a million dollars in the market, and then the market goes down 40 percent. it goes down to 600 grand but then the next year it rockets back up like uh last year and then now you have 1.2 and you know so you have 200 grand because you had your money working the market for you now that doesn't right. always happen and that was kind of a weird thing with march and then uh, then the market shot up doesn't always happen but if you take the averages of the market you're probably like seven percent or whatever right term average right um So the idea is, okay, 7 beats 2. That's generally, the or 7 beats 3 or 7 beats 4. Now, you want to make sure you have the right debt structure and get a free review at 888-988-JOSH. We'll go over what the right options are for you. Okay, we got to take our final break of the hour. When we return, this is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. Don't touch that dial. It's always on your mind. Retirement,
0: whether you're 55 or 35, not everyone wants to work forever, and most would like a comfortable retirement. You may already have a plan, but is it the right one? Josh Jelinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio Program, is ready to guide you towards financial freedom. He challenges the ways your parents and grandparents saved money with fresh strategies, which are exactly what you need to navigate today's volatile economic climate. Josh's new book, Retirement Reality Check, is available to order on Amazon. It's an easy read that guides you through his system for securing your financial freedom, including tax-saving strategies, understanding the right investment mix, and more. Order now. Retirement Reality Check. Call Josh at 888-988-JOSH. Let Josh help you map out your retirement using fresh strategies. Call 888-988-5674.
1: Folks, we're taking your calls on everything financial. And folks, if you have a question and you need guidance, call us 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. And pension funds, interesting article by the Wealth Advisor, kind of going against some things that we often hear on the show, um, that there's a hard shift towards fixed income securities among corporate pension funds. According to pension funds of top 100 public companies tracked by Milliman, the average pension has more bonds than you would think, undergirding it. Uh, And I think the the reason that's done well is generally because treasuries were a good 30, 40-year hold. So this is pretty interesting. Bank of America's corporate pension fund clients have been net sellers of stock, extending a year-long trend of outflows. What corporate pension plans are looking for is to be well-funded, not necessarily to get strong returns, according to Adam Levine of Aberdeen Standard. It is possible that as rates rise, corporate pensions move enough to the fixed income that to some degree it counters the rise in rates. So interesting article there that pension funds are not following the 60-40 split. They're going more heavy to bonds, probably because maybe they're thinking we'll have greater volatility. Anyway, folks, give us a call, 888-988-JOSH. We have a two-for-one special today. You get the 45-minute Retirement Reality Check, 45-minute with our team, me, Josh Jelinsky, the financial quarterback, and our wonderful team of financial advisors, as well as you get the book, Don't Worry, Retire Happy by Tom Hegna as our free gift when you schedule and keep your no-obligation review. Have a great day today. 888-988-Josh. 888-988-Josh. 888-988-5674. 888 988 Josh. We'll be back next week, Saturday and Sunday at 9. And check out the podcast. We got the Financial Quarterback podcast. Wherever podcasts are, just search for uh, the Financial Quarterback on Spotify, iHeart, and Apple Podcasts.